Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode nine of the show where two geeks talk about God. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. So, Mike, how are you doing? I know you were off on retreat this last weekend. I was. Back it was a... into the valley, back into the uh, the real world now. I will tell you, back into the valley. Things. Back into the valley is very true because you know we went up. Uh, the, we went to a young life camp. It was called Lake Champion. It's up in New York, and it was just a truly great place. It's it's out in the middle of nowhere, as proven by the fact that I couldn't even call my girlfriend. I had to you know stand on one foot and hop up and down while I hooted like an owl just to get reception, just to send a text message. But, you know, it was a great, it was a great time just to get re- refocused on God and just to, you know, step away from all this stuff. And yeah, it, I came home and it, the stuff just smacked me right in the face. But at the same point, you know, it, it was really good to come off of the weekend and being like, you know what, this is nothing. This is no big deal. You know, I, I serve a God who's much bigger than all of this. So it was, it was really cool. So, so, uh. Yeah, Luke, what have you, what have you been up to, man? You got, you know, uh, you know, you're talking about what I've been up to. I want to hear about this this thing we were talking about before we got started, this great epic adventure of yours. Yeah, um I I got a lot going on right now. Uh I am I, as listeners to this show know, I am an avid barbecuer, a foodie if you will. A foodie. Yeah, yeah. To say it uh to say the least. And uh, I have been cooking for folks for a long time. I've cooked for birthday parties, cooked for those kind of things. And it had always been my dream to do that uh, on a professional kind of a level. And uh, finally, my wife just kind of said, hey, you should just do that. And so this weekend, I have my very first gig. Well, I've had a couple gigs, but this is my first big gig. I'm cooking for 200 people this weekend. I'm freaking out about it just a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> just a little bit but i mean i've got you know my wife's gonna be there with me my dad's coming in to help me out uh and we'll see where this goes it's been amazing you know been booking uh events and uh just having barely started this it's a pretty fun adventure uh, and that's what it is for me it's an adventure it's not uh something i necessarily need to be doing something that's fun uh something that i get to do uh the, the things i enjoy doing and maybe hopefully even make some say make some money on it well, well, I mean, that, but we it's have a, a problem. You have a problem. I do. I have a serious problem. What's that? This event is on eleven, eleven, twelve. <laughs> and I know what happens on eleven, eleven, eleven. Yeah, one of a billion things. That's that right, apparently folks. Is I'm putting aside Skyrim for my barbecue. This is like two of my favorite things in the whole world. Clash. Say which one of you shall win, Luke. You'll be happy to know that you know. Literally, about I don't know, maybe half hour, forty five minutes ago, I happened to jump on Steam, which is a wonderful little client for those people who like to buy things on the interwebs. Yes, (laughs) that it is. And I happened to put in my a pre order to get Skyrim. I was going back and forth between a bunch of different things because. You know, there's too many things going on, and, and, and I'm planning a wedding, and there's so much happening, and so many things want so much of my money. And after a lot of debate, and even, even one of the guys I was on the retreat with, he, he looked right at me. He goes, Perna, did you pre-order Skyrim yet? I'm like, no, I haven't quite yet, but I really think I'm gonna when I go home. All right, and so you decided to do it on PC. I did. 
I All right, did. it's coming for me on Xbox. So we'll we'll compare and contrast next episode. We'll see how that I, goes. Oh, I I totally think that's our next episode. Just because one, I I think we're both going to be fit. To <laughs> yeah, we won't be doing anything about, else about about talking about Skyrim. Well, it was truly great because this guy Jimmy, he's he's an awesome guy. I mean, I I only get to work with him when we do these because he's at a different church, and so he and I, when our churches get together, I usually hang out with Jimmy. He's a really cool dude, and he looked right at me. He goes, "Perna, you're." You're going to want to buy it now. And so I go, okay, I mean, is it that good? Like, I mean, granted, I played the other Elder Scrolls games, but I mean, why do I have to buy it now? And he goes, because come May, you're going to be married. <laughs> that is rock and, solid logic, my friend. You've got a and, window here of uh, <laughs> of time. I, I, the good news is eventually, when you're like me and have been together with your wife for 15 years, eventually you get more gaming hours. Yeah, but there is that window there at the beginning that if you're gaming, that could be a problem. Well, he he looked right at me, and he has he has kids, and he's married, and he looked right at me. He's like, "Yeah, you're gonna want to buy it now." <laughs> well, you see, I figure you can think about it this way, right? We all have our entertainment dollars to spend. Indeed, and look. Skyrim is expensive. Any video game these days are expensive. And, that, I mean, that's a problem we could talk about. But, you know, 60 bucks that's a lot of money. But the per-hour rate of Skyrim, uh, you know, we're talking 100, 200, 300 hours worth of well, games. Yeah, I yeah, never... You're talking I never, a couple of cents an hour. I never bought Elder Scrolls. I played it on other people's games, and I really enjoyed it. But I never actually ended up getting it for myself. So, I, uh... You know, after playing Oblivion like I did, I, I sat there and I'm like, this is a, a long game. And this guy, Jimmy, looked at me and he goes, yeah, they they stop logging your time after 300 hours. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is basically code for, I've played this game for a lot longer than 300 hours. <laughs> Have you seen the Prima guide for this book? It's a book unto itself. It's like 600 pages. Over 50,000, over like 500,000 words. That's insane. Yeah. I love, I love guides. I don't want to use it, but I love them just in the old you, school sense of the things. Did you, did you remember the old, like, like Nintendo Power magazines? When you'd have to subscribe to Nintendo Power for like a year and a half to get the one guide for one game. Yeah. And then it, it'd have everything, like all the little hidden stuff on Mario, and you'd, it'd have the whole, like, the long strand of uh, I, the whole I, level. Oh, I love that. There were two There were two editions of the old-school Nintendo Power that I drooled over. One was a, an issue that contained a full map of Metroid. Like, Damn, every hidden that's, thing. That's awesome. And, it, and it's great. The other one was and a it's special... it's like, almost graph papery. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like a D&D one... map that we would have drawn when we were playing back in the day with, before there was... 75,000 map sets to use for D&D. Absolutely. And then uh, the other one was a special edition of the f- of, of Final Fantasy, the first Final oh. Fantasy. And it was this extra thick, it came with a red cover with the the cover of the game on the front of it and oh, I I I tore mine apart. It was literally in two parts after a while. So we we're, we're not talking about video games today, but we're not. We're well, we not. kind of are. We're, we don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But we, well, I have one other geeky thing, though, I want to throw out that I'm doing. Yeah, you are. Uh, 
And that's tomorrow morning. I am going to be on with a group of middle schoolers uh, in Canada, I think. I don't know. So we're really oh, far is this, away. Is this with Guys Can Read? No, no. Well, I mean, it's connected to Guys Can Read. I met these people because of Guys Can Read, but this isn't specifically a Guys Can Read event. Okay. Um, guys Can Read, we review books. And so sometimes when we talk about uh, kind of genre fiction and whatnot, we do uh, a thing called Boys Can Read. But this is specifically they're contacting me to talk about how to write reviews for video games. Oh, okay, cool. And so, and it's hilarious. I've got this, uh, the list of questions, the sort of, you know, prep me for the questions they're going to answer, or they're going to ask. And uh, uh, the questions all, like, fall into, like, one of maybe three categories, like, hey, why do you do this? Um, Hey, how do you like your, how do you play Call of Duty? (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, I don't, sorry. Uh, Half the question's gone right there. You know. I, I don't Kids know what camo was the best Kids camo. Love I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but the the question that I I think was asked most was what are the hardest and what is the strangest video games you've ever played? Oh my! And I I I, I want to sit these children down and I want to tell them back in my day, video no, games were I, hard. No, video I want to tell you easy. Luke, <laughs> back then, video that, games were hard. If that question gets asked of you. And you don't answer the hardest video game ever is a little game called Rygar. <laughs> you're you're selling it short. I don't know, dude. Ghouls and goblins. No, no, hard. no, no, no. That is hard. That is hard. However, Rygar makes that one look like you know. I, I don't even have a comparison. It's so ridiculous because Rygar, you had one life, and there was no armor. There was no. You know, you make it. Yeah, you're you're gonna make it there. okay. Ghouls and goblins. You at least got two pieces of. You got one, you got an armor and your armor. underwear. You, but. yeah. With Rygar, you had nothing. You got hit and you died, and there was no save, and Next it was quarter. freakishly long. Yeah, no, no. no save points, nothing, and you had to pay every time you died. Literally, you had to pay until we got one of the many S's. You had to pay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm interested to see what they uh also the I, I want to know what do you think the weirdest game you've ever played, strangest game you've ever played. Oh, that well, I'd have to think about. I've played some doozies, man. I there uh I'm trying some, to keep them that that people might know. You know what I mean? Oh, that's going to be cuz like I remember playing a game called A Boy and His Blob where That's you, weird, you know what I was going to do A Boy and His Blob. A Boy and His Blob is a game. It was an old school 8-bit Nintendo game. A Nintendo game or Atari game? No, it was Nintendo. I remember. It was Nintendo. And you were basically followed around by this little alien jelly blob, and you'd feed him jelly beans. And depending on what flavor of jelly bean you gave him, he turned into different things. Then you would use him to get through various challenges. So, I, you know, the more I think about it, that might be the weirdest game I've ever played. Yeah, in fact, that was the game I was thinking about talking about. That The other ones I've thought about were like Avoid the Noid. Oh my goodness, wow. Uh, for whatever reason, I played that a ton as a kid. Luke, are we dating ourselves with this? Uh, dude, I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, Gilligan's Island? Did you ever play Gilligan's Island on the NES? I never played a game oh my about Gilligan's gosh, Island. that was so hard. I never did. Ca- I never did save Marianne. I don't know how <laughs> poor, to get to Marianne. Poor, poor, poor Marianne. Uh, 
there was a there was a Star Trek game on NES that was ridiculously hard. Um, but just you know that one's not strange, but it was hard. Um, all kinds of these like strange tie-in kind of games. Like this was a po- a point in time where the video game was almost like the Happy Meal, you know? Yes. So I yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna I I think I'm gonna go with a boy and his blob tomorrow, so It is a keeper. It is a keeper. Speaking of video games, Mike, you told me yeah. that uh that you found uh, kind of a new one. I don't know, a new, is that the right term? Well it's 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 new again. It's new again, yes. I mean granted it wasn't old to begin with, but it was having some trouble getting off the ground until it made this key change. Um, Luke, we've discovered over, over many conversations, both at, at your other podcast and this one, that you're just kind of beginning to explore the world of, of comics and stuff I like am. that. Whereas, I mean, you know, I have the general, like, every boy who grew up in this country sort of background knowledge, but not deep. Right. Well, I, I'm, I've been reading comic books pretty much since I could read. I've been picking up Batman since forever. I have the entirety of every major Batman story arc, like Nightfall and 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 all that wonderful stuff. I have all of it. I drool over that sort of stuff. And while I'm more of a Marvel guy myself, I had the opportunity to log on at, at absolutely no cost to me and play a little thing called DC Universe. Mm-hmm. And DC Universe is a it's an MMO where you get to make superheroes and supervillains and play around in the various cities of the DC Universe. Oh, okay, so it's actually set in the DC Universe. That makes yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why I never put that together. It most certainly is. So the the basic idea is is that there's this epic battle between the superheroes and the supervillains and at some point in the fighting each other, they they pretty much destroy each other, and then a character who you've been introduced to, though it was in a horrible, horrible book, is a, a character by the name of Brainiac. Mm-hmm. And Brainiac shows up, and pretty much in a world without superheroes, without supervillains, he just comes in and destroys all, conquers the human race, and wipes us from the planet. That seems like Brainiac's way. It's kind of his M.O. Yeah. So... Pretty much the storyline is is that Lex Luthor, who was there during the whole thing, basically runs away like the coward that he is, and goes back into the past to tell the Justice League, you need to fix this. Because as much as we hate each other, I don't want the entire... I want to control and run humanity. I don't want to see it destroyed. And so the the superheroes and supervillains kind of have this very tenuous peace going on and but but Luther didn't just come back himself. He brought these things called xenobites. And xenobites are basically a brainiac creation which imbue random people, and I mean random, with the same kind of characteristics and superpowers from heroes that and villains that Brainiac has kind of taken control over in the future. So he he robs all the superheroes and supervillains of the past of their powers and puts them in these little xenobites. Luther steals them, brings them to Earth, and basically unleashes an entirely new wave of superheroes and supervillains on the world that Brainiac cannot get. And you get to play as those superheroes and those supervillains. 
Uh, my, so, so tell me about your superhero. My superhero, it's weird because I, I was I had such a hard time naming him because when as soon as they announced that it went from a subscription game to a a, a free to play MMO, record numbers of people came out <laughs> to sign up for this. So you're Superboy seven eight four? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. But um my I have a superhero and a supervillain. Alright. My superhero, uh, oddly enough, I took his name uh, from a an evil character, but it was just so fitting. Uh, there are three types of, of body type, basically. The really tiny to the really gigantic. My superhero is the really gigantic. And I made him have this, like, almost like bubbling over lava rock skin. And he has glowing eyes, and he carries a giant hammer. And another cool aspect of this game that I didn't realize until I started playing it was because uh, de- your story depends on which mentor you pick. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much the classic heroes and the classic villains, you get to choose to be mentored by them. And depending on which mentor you pick, it has a lot to do with what your focus is and and how your story develops. Well, I wanted my guy to have, obviously, he's got, you know, lava skin. I wanted him to have fire powers. And so I looked at all the different mentors, and the mentors on the good guy's side are Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Superman. Superman kind of has fire powers. Superman is very, according to the game, Superman is, you know, deals with the genetic superiority. You know, I get powered by the yellow sun. Batman obviously is is on on martial power and gadgetry, mm-hmm. and then I looked at Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman is all about the magic world, and using these magical abilities to influence how you know her strength and her you know her abilities. So I said, "All right, my my dude's totally going to get mentored by Wonder Woman," and so I created a guy named Omadon, and I will give you a hundred geek bonus points if you can tell me what Omadon is from. I'm, I'm out. Yeah, I'll. You know, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna say it. I'm not even gonna say it. If if you know it, put it on the on the fan page, and I will give you you know made up bonus points because I want you to find what Omadon is from because Omadon is it's from a great great. I'll even give you this hint. It's from an animated movie, but that's not gonna give give you much of a hint because it's gonna be hard to find because I I even acknowledge my own geekiness in knowing this. <laughs> Um, but, so my, my, you know, Omidon is great. He flies, he shoot. he literally lights himself on fire to hurt enemies around him. He carries this gigantic hammer, and he just beats on these robots, and it's awesome. Um, he's, he's currently helping the good, the good people of the city. Uh, I believe, I believe they set him in Metropolis. So he walked outside, and he's in Metropolis. Uh, then there's my, my supervillain. And my supervillain was named for an actual person in history. And this is, again, part of my own geekiness that I know this. My supervillain is named Phineas Gage. Again, and I'm out. <laughs> no, this is, this is, this is you know, if, if you knew more about the steampunk world, Luke, you'd know Phineas Gage. Because Phineas Gage is the, I mean, he's, I, I forget exactly his time frame, but he's like, mid to late 1800s and he has the the most hideous 
head injury in the world that has ever been survived from. He basically <laughs> is, he's basically skewered. Like, this giant metal pipe is just shoved through his head, and somehow, even with the technology of the late 1800s, he survives with no bra- little to no brain damage. Dude, sometimes your, like, knowledge of crazy, like, Victoriana freak show stuff... Listen, it, do it, not it weirds hate. me out a little bit. Do not, do not hate. You <laughs> have not, no I'm idea just, that... I'm just saying. This is the kind of stuff you deal with when you live in my world. Come play in it. Um, but anyway, so he's, like, the, held up as a, a miracle of modern science, you know, even though it was, you know, modern back then, and we kind of look at it and go, huh, I wonder how he did that. Um, but I always wondered about Phineas Gage, and there's lots of storylines that, that either reference him or kind of put him in, and I always thought the idea of, you know, what happens if that kind of unlocked something in his head? Like, if this, this, this... For some way, he got injured, and it kind of unlocked his superpowers. So I kind of ran with that. So Phineas Gage is, his mentor is the Joker. So you can tell already that I'm kind of going for a weird, Mm, comical, psychopath kind of, yeah. yeah. The Joker is my mentor. And And so Phineas Gage, in true steampunk fashion, he's wearing a trench coat with goggles, and he has a completely waxed up curly Q mustache. And, um, he basically zaps people with various gadgetry. Like, he has this, uh, electronic whip that he hits people with, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. And he has dueling pistols, which is just fantastic. So he, he's my, I haven't played long enough to really get either of them super deep into the storyline, but it's just, it's just so much fun because the character creation drops you in and sets you, like, Mm. I started playing with Phineas, and I'm like, I'm in Gotham. I'm running around Gotham City right now. And and I was, you know, you start off, and it's like, what, you know, what do you want to do here? What's your superpower? Who is your mentor? You know, do you want to, you know, do you want to have, you know, weird-looking skin? Do you want to, ha- you know, have this armor? Do you want to have wings? And it just asks you, from the from the word go, you are asked about these truly, like, epic, monumental questions. And, you know, it made me think about so many things. Like, like Luke, have you ever asked yourself one question? If you had a superpower, what would it be? I have asked. Oh, Isn't I'm that... dying to know. I'm dying to know. Okay, so, so you, the way you described your supervillain, it's actually kind of how I would describe my superhero, but that's not really a superpower. Like, the whole Batman, kind of... The whole Batman kind of... is a superhero. But he doesn't... <laughs> does he have a superpower? No, he does not. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. So if I had to pick a power, like an, like an ability, I think I would pick either the ability to slow down time or telekinesis. And telekinesis simply because I want to be able one day to reach out my hand like Luke Skywalker and have stupid remote control come. <laughs> Of all the powers of all the world, you want to just yeah, forget take about the making control. This, forget about making this world a better place. <laughs> I just want you know my Pepsi to come to me when I want it to. <laughs> this is not the soda you're looking for. This is not no. And actually, <laughs> to be honest with you, nowadays it's Diet Coke. So there you go. But if I had my way, and I was going to be a superhero or go all like crazy vigilante when I someday break and I decide I needed to, to like you know take out all the bad guys in the world. 
I would definitely go like wearing the duster with the cowboy hat and the the the, the you know six shooters and trick shots and all that kind of thing. I would totally go that way. Okay, so you're like you're like a a, a Hawkeye kind of fellow, like yeah. you know. Mm. Though though Hawkeye had a thing for purple and bows, but yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, well, I I do I play bows a lot too. So depending on the milieu, <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, these days I really don't think the bow is an effective anti bad guy weapon. Well, it depends on how you use it. Yeah, you just can't shoot that fast unless it's a magic bow or like an electric bow or something. They can just like crank arrows pretty quick. See that's yeah. the thing, Luke. We're dealing we're dealing with the stuff of dreams and awesome. Dreams and awesome. That is my world. <laughs> I'd be happy your, just to live in dreams and awesome all the time. Your your bow can be magic. It can shoot fireballs and you know talk back to you and witty sarcastic remarks. These things can happen. Curved around corners, you know. <laughs> See, I thought about this a lot actually because that's just how my mind works. And you know, I. When I think about getting superpowers, I always, I, I, I can't help it. I revert to X-Men. I will always revert to X-Men. They were my superhero legacy when I was a kid. Well, that works they, out nicely, because just about any superpower you can think of probably possessed by one by of the X-Men. <laughs> one or more of the X-Men. Um, so I go back and forth on it every once in a while, but I, I think that while he wasn't necessarily one of my favorite X-Men, I have three favorites, but... <laughs> Yes, I do. I have a, I have a, 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 a wicked triumvirate of awesome when it comes to the X Men. But however, see, the super- it's a simple question for me. But continue. The superpower that I think that I would like most, if I, I mean, if I do do my whole revert to the X Men shtick, it has to be that of Colossus, the big Russian who can basically turn himself into this metal hulking beast who's just like yeah go ahead shoot me i don't care i'm gonna i'm just gonna rip this car in half and hit you with it (laughs) you know i mean nothing says good times like invulnerability and super strength that's that just sounds awesome to me this would be fun but you know you know we kind of want to tie this stuff you know in our our true you know gsp fashion we we want to tie this to what we were talking about 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 god and about faith and all these sort of things and really, as we were kind of spitballing this before we got started, there's a lot of ways this can tie into it. For sure. And, you know, for me, part of it kind of stemmed off of this retreat, because the guy who was speaking, who's just a, a phenomenal dude, I'd never met him before this, but apparently he's pretty well known in the denomination, and uh, he's like a dean at, at one of the major seminaries and stuff like that, but... He was just talking in the last session. He goes, you know what? I was going to, I haven't done this in a while. This is only like the second time I've talked about this. And some people think it's a little cheesy, but I'm going to bring it out. And he goes, he had the the idea about dreaming big. Hmm. Now, remember, he's talking to a room full of, of youth workers, both volunteer and paid staff. And just the idea of dreaming big when it comes to what we're doing with God in in terms of our ministry, in in terms of our own walk with God, he goes, you know, he talks about. You know, you want to go with people who are going to be with you in prayer and to just say, you know, to stand with you when you go for something big that God has called you to, even if it sounds silly, even if it sounds ridiculous. And you want to avoid those people who kind of just, you know, knock you down and who haven't been with you and prayed about you and just automatically say, no, that's clearly not from God. And 
uh-huh. as I'm sitting there now, the first, like one of the first things I do when I get home, cause I didn't want to do anything, you know, you don't come home from a weekend off, you know, in a, in a, hanging out by a lake in the middle of the woods and then come home and, and want to do anything. So I'm just sitting there and I'm playing DC universe and I'm asked to make these epic characters and everything is so over the top and so ridiculous. And I'm just sitting there and I'm, I'm rolling back everything he said in my mind about, about dreaming big and, and going for something. I'm like, wow, this is, this game is asking me to make these big dreams. You know, what would your superpower be? Who would you want to hang out with in Metropolis? You know, you know, it, it, it it's such a silly thing, but it made me think about all those times when I've, I've thought that God was asking me to do something or God was calling me to do something. And, and I just didn't, I just kind of let that slide and say, I don't think I want to do that because it's going to be too hard. Yeah. I think also that, that you really key in on something with this idea of the DC universe online, because I'm guessing there's probably not a lot of other heroes running around the streets of, uh, of Gotham or of Metropolis that had precisely the same set of superhero abilities that your character did. Now, it's a game, so obviously there's going to be some degree of of carryover, but I think that it's a fairly individualized thing. Do I have that right? Oh, yeah, and there's all sorts of ways. You can, it, it ranges, the customization ranges from the tremendous to the, you know, tiny little details, like, you know, the way, you know, the combinations of hair, skin, outfit. I mean, there's like, there's, uh, let's just put it this way: to find somebody who's exactly like you, you you'd have to be looking at players and player numbers in the millions to right. get somebody who's exactly like right. you are. So you know, for me, when I was a younger man, and I felt the call into ministry, I felt like God was saying, "You should do something with your life for the kingdom." Uh, I I went ahead and I went to college to study ministry, and I ultimately seminary and, and became pastor and all those things. And I'll tell you why I did that. I did that because, for me, that was the only path I understood into a life of service to God. Mm. It, and and I, I mean, I suppose, and no, I, I, I overspoke. It wasn't the only path, but it was one of a handful. And so I think that there's a, maybe a corollary we could draw here, right? To the sort of, let's say, a generic fantasy role-playing game, right? Where you're going to have like one of maybe three classes. You're going to be like the the wizard, the warrior, or the rogue. You know, mm-hmm. for a long time, I sort of felt like a calling from God was like, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a missionary, you're going to be an evangelist. I think right? that's not that's not unrealistic in people's expectations of I, ministry. And it wasn't mine. It wasn't until I had been in ministry for kind of a long time, and I'd studied things and. And part of that also was me breaking out of this decision that I made at a, a point in my early life, but to say, okay, well, wait a minute, what are, is it possible for there to be other paths? Can people choose their own spiritual superhero skills, if you will, or your own set of your own makeup, and can you use that for the kingdom in ways that aren't quite as obvious? as standing up in front of a church and speaking, which is what I did for a living for a long time. And I'm still learning that lesson. I'm still trying to figure out what that means for me to find what's authentically me, the things I love doing, the things I'm passionate about, the things I'm good at, and understanding those from a God perspective. 
because for a long time, I have to admit that I kind of felt like everything that I thought was cool and fun and that I was into, and those things were taking me away from my real mission with God. And now I'm beginning to understand that that maybe wasn't quite right. There, there's so much that you can go go to from that. I mean, I think we all have those stories, at least those of us who have been along the timeline, as it were, for enough time. I mean, you get to the point where there's, you, you have certain expectations. You have certain expectations for your ministry, when things will happen, what that's going to look like. And a lot of times, you know, you, you almost get, you know, turned away. There's all these people who want to, you know, if you recommend something that is not the norm, if you want to say something like, I want to plant a church, even if even if that church looks like, you know, every other church, people are going to be like, do you, are you sure you know what you're doing with this? Because it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of work and everything like that. And that's more of a traditional route. That doesn't even count any of the more more out there kind of ministries. And if you really look at, at what the, the, I don't know, the, the, the landscape is in the, in the world of Christian culture, you're going to see that there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, we even had one of the cooler things that we did at our group was apparently there's a skate park that's right around the corner from us. And apparently this skate park is, it's Christian owned and operated and they bring ramps to places and they, they, we had a full like skate park set up in our parking lot at youth group that these guys kind of brought over in a trailer and our kids got to just have a blast just just go just skating and rollerblading and biking all over this this course in our in the back of our church and you know there are some people who will say well that's not real ministry you're not preaching the gospel and i'm like these kids are associating something awesome with church. I I don't see how you can say that isn't a ministry. And I you know I just posted up not earlier today I posted up an, an interview. I mentioned these guys before these guys uh, at GameChurch.com, but I I put up an interview with uh, the, more, the pretty much the founder of of GameChurch.com and the resulting ministry of that. And his he's in, a guy by the name of Mikey Bridges. And Mikey's a cool dude. I follow him on Twitter and everything, and I, I, you know, I like what he puts up there. But Mikey, in a lot of ways, is not your standard ministry person. And I, I try to make that broad and not say minister, but just anybody you'd think of in ministry, Mikey ain't it. But and and even in even in his his passion for the ministry, it doesn't look like a lot of people want it to look like. He's had people come up to him, and I read this in the article. He said that he had people come up to him and, you know, say that they hated what he was doing. And his response is, I'm telling people that God loves them. And I'm talking to them about video games. And then even when the interviewer comes back and says, well, isn't there more to the gospel than just that God loves, that God loves you? And he goes, of course there is. He goes, but that's not my place. Hmm. He, he, you know, he stressed, he stressed to the guy who was interviewing him. He goes, he goes, I, you know, I hope they go out and find other people to talk to them about that other, those other aspects. He goes, my, my calling, my job, as it were, is to tell people that God loves them. And that, you know, and he's like, he's like, I have no desire to be anything other than that because it's not how he's wired. 
And, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that because that that's a very important ministry because he's he's jumping in with a bunch of guys who really could use the love of God. And rather than, you know, trying to sell them, you know, Jesus crammed in amongst, amongst you know, game stuff, you know, putting a game veneer on the gospel, he just says, dude, I love video games. And and they talk video games, and in the midst of talking video games, you know, God comes up. He doesn't shoehorn him in there. He doesn't force people. You know, you know, I'm going to talk to you about this. I'm going to show you this game demo, but only if you listen to me about Jesus. You know, their tagline is that you know you come talk to us about games. You can take a Bible if you want or not. It's fine. And you know. That's not how ministry looks like to a lot of people, but I think it's I think it's vital. You know what? I and it's 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 a little bit humbling on this end of the thing too. What do you mean by that? Um okay, so I spent my career, 15 years uh frankly getting all of the glory for ministry. Mm. I'm the guy who gets to stand up there. I'm the guy who gets to invite people to Christ. I'm the guy who gets to to be there when people are crying. I'm the guy who gets to to marry people, I'm the guy who gets to baptize people. I'm the guy who gets to to cheer on everybody. I'm the one who gets to to say, "Hey, let's go have this huge vision. Let's go do this." Frankly, that's a lot easier than saying, "I'm gonna get real small and I'm gonna live my life and I'm gonna live it so richly in tune with Christ that I'm gonna do stuff that." on the surface, have nothing at all to do with ministry. And I'm going to see if I can have that kind of influence in the lives of a small handful of people around me, rather than just everybody who shows up in the crowd. And now trying to live that life, it's frankly humbling when I look back and think about it. You know, any of those times that I thought, oh, look at the good that God... I probably wouldn't have said, look at the good that I'm doing. I would have said, look at the good that God (laughs) is doing through me, because... I, you know, I have at least like a little bit of humility. Anyway. I, th- I think I probably would have, and but, but now and and now, I have to learn how to, how to even look at my life through that scale, and through that rubric. And I, I didn't know how to do that because I've been a pastor since I was eighteen years old, and, you know, trying to figure out how, how my everyday life choices as a dad, as a a barbecue cook, as a husband, as a neighbor, as a member of a community. Those things, to share your faith that way, it's a lot, lot harder. Oh, it definitely is. But I think you're right. It's more vital. It's well, more I think vital. I, I, the, the, one of the best things I've ever seen in regards to what's kind of been foundational for my own personal philosophy of, of ministry and my philosophy of evangelism comes out of a very weird place. Well, two very weird places. One of them, a conversation I've had with with a guy who, he's one of my best friends ever. He probably would be my best friend if it weren't for the fact that that he has no faith in God whatsoever. So, and it's actually a conversation that we've had on a number of levels, and the fact that as close as we are, and as much time as we spend together, and as much, you know, pretty, you know, how much time, effort, and just love we've thrown into this friendship, there will always be that divide between us. And, you know, when when I first got saved, I was really gung-ho, and it was really nasty, and I, I lost a lot of friends because of it. 
Because, you know, if you get saved past the age of five, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You find Jesus and you want to demand that everyone else finds him too. And I, you know, I I wanted to make sure that as I was coming out of that, as I was realizing how much of a jerk I was and I was realizing how many friends I had lost, I wanted to make sure that I didn't lose him. And so after sharing the gospel with him for something like four times in one day, I said, I said, look, dude, I want to make sure you know something. I'm not saying this because I want to be a jerk. And if at any point, I, you know, you're just sick of me talking about this. I just want you to look at me and tell me to shut up and I'll just stop. And he just paused there a minute. And he said, he goes, no, he goes, I'd honestly be more worried if you didn't tell me this. And I was a little taken aback because that's not the reaction I was expecting. And he looked at me and he says, if you weren't telling me this, if you weren't telling me this as much as you could, one of two things is happening. Either you don't honestly believe it enough to stand by it and, and, and want to tell other people about it, or you don't care enough about me to think it's important for me to know about it. And I was, I was floored. Because that, that's what ministry, that's what, what evangelism in its truest form is supposed to look like. If you believe that the only way to be forgiven of sins to find eternal life is in Jesus and faith in his death and resurrection, you have to tell people. Because either either you don't honestly believe that that's the only way that we can be saved, or you don't care enough about those people that they need to know. And, you know, that, and another one that I kind of took from was, was from a movie. And it's a, a lesser-known movie written pretty much... It was taken from a play, and it's called The Big Kahuna. And it's, it's got some pretty big names in it, but at one part, it's, it's three salesmen. Well, two salesmen and a guy from Research and Development. And the guy from Research and Development is your typical straight-laced Baptist kid. You know, freshly married, he's got the press suit with the thin black tie... And, you know, he's, you know, he, he's very leery of all things, you know, drinking and, and fraternizing and all this stuff. And he makes it very clear to them that, you know, he, he doesn't do this because he loves God. Well, the long and the short of it is, is that they're trying to talk to this one guy about making a sale that will save the company. But instead of, but he, and he meets this guy, the, the straight-laced Baptist kid meets this guy. But instead of talking about what they were there to talk about, he talked about Jesus. And one of the other salesmen, this, this kind of burnt out, bitter salesman, played by Danny DeVito, looks at him and he says, he says, you're, what, you're, what you're doing is no different than a sales pitch. He says, the minute you grab hold of a conversation and twist it to go where you want it to go, you're not having a conversation. You're making a sales pitch. And you're no longer a human being. You're a marketing rep. And the minute I watched that, I realized that a lot of times we try to be marketing reps for Jesus. To turn conversations that have nothing to do with God into a conversation with God. You know, you know you'll see like training sessions about evangelism that say things along the lines of, you know, we used to joke about this with my high school kids in Texas. We used to, you know, 
This is, he says, you can turn any conversation to a conversation about God by asking the person if they have any spiritual beliefs. So we used to joke, like, we'd go to the grocery store and be like, hey, that's a lovely head of lettuce. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? <laughs> Those are lovely shoes. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? And, you know, granted, there are plenty of times when that works, and it starts a conversation that can end up in all sorts of wonderful places, but a lot of times, it just weirds people out. Because you're not actually looking to know them. You're not actually showing that you care a word about them. You're just trying to score points for Jesus. And I don't know about you, Luke, but for me, it's, it's, it's sad when we try to not just have God influence our lives so much that other people are sitting there going, man, I, I just want to know about the God that this mm. dude serves. Yeah, and you gotta you nailed it, nailed it, and that is you know hey we have to tell people we do, but frankly if we show people, it's gonna work a lot better, and you know I, I've said this a couple of times on the show and I've been pretty open about this on other shows that I'm on, uh the reason I am not in ministry anymore is because I was doing too much telling and not enough showing, and that wasn't okay by me. And, you know, we don't need to get into all the details of, of what happened and all that. I don't even know necessarily what happened, but that's where we were. And so I, I stepped away from the telling. So that I, I could live a little bit more deeply and get back into the work of showing my faith. And having the people around me say, I want to live like him. And then have the opportunity to help people understand how it is that I've come to this point. And, you know, it's funny that we started this kind of conversation with superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I suppose it's not the case in DC Universe Online, but in general, in superhero stories, there's not a whole lot of superheroes. No. You know, I imagine in D- DCU, oh, there's a ton of you running around the streets. It might be a little funny, but... Uh, in general, there is the big world and then the couple of people that are the superheroes. And you might say, well, the church, that's not the case, right? I think the church, there's a lot of us, right? But the fact of the matter is, it's, there's not. Now, I don't know what it's like when, where you live, Mike. I, I've actually never been out to New Jersey. I don't, I don't know what it's like there. Uh, I know for a while you and I both lived in Texas. I grew up in Southern California. Uh, but now I live in a, a part of California and a part of the West Coast where uh, it's it's completely unchurched. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we moved here for that reason. You are sort of the superhero here. The, the one guy, the one girl standing out there who has the power of faith, if you will. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, you did. I did. Uh, let's make a video game about it, Mike. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> And all around me, there are people whose lives are, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. They're going on, on their way, and they just don't know. They just don't know. But you know what's interesting about the people around me? They don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. I live in a place where people do not want to hear the gospel. They hate the gospel. They hate Christians. They don't want to know. 
but they still watch. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's a, a trite kind of hallmarky phrase, so I almost don't want to use it. But, it, you know, it becomes that because it's based in truth. The whole idea of, of that uh, you are the, Bi- are the only Bible that some people are ever going to read. And, yeah, it's the kind of stuff that you'll see on t-shirts and on mugs at your local Christian bookstore. But at the same point, I mean, it's a lot of it's true. Is that I actually had a guy who I work with who he and I had some very heated discussions about religion. He is actively, actively atheist, pretty much thinks that, you know, anybody who follows religion is either uh, an idiot or, you know, just hasn't really looked at the entirety of scripture. And we've had, we've had really passionate discussions, you know, me obviously saying, you know, you know, talking about the love of God and everything like that. Him citing all sorts of Old Testament passages about, you know, slavery and craziness. And, you know, it, it gets hard to, he, he looked right at me and he goes, I don't, I've, I've read a good chunk of the Bible and I don't think the Bible will ever show me anything other than hatred. And so, it, you know, it's hard for me to look at people who say, you know, all, the, all people need to do to understand God is to read the Bible. Don't get me wrong. I think there are some people for which that's true. That was yeah. true for me. But Don't now, me- I look back at the Bible and I, I went. And so I get how some people would. Yeah, no, there, there are stories that, you know, I, I usually tell people, you have to learn to deal with these stories. That there are certain things that are in your Bible that you don't want to admit are in there. Because sure. they make they make things complicated, and you do have to wrestle with them and think about them and figure out why they're there. Figure out why some things aren't there, and you know I I don't know about you know Luke. There are plenty of people out there. Books have been written about about guys who you know were living horrible lifestyles, and somebody gave them a Bible. They read it cover to cover and found out that there's no way they could not believe in Jesus. The Bible had very little w- with me coming to Christ. It had very little to do with it. I say that as a guy who has spent nine years of higher education <laughs> studying this document. I don't want to say at any point that the Bible is not a, a everything that the Bible claims it, to, it is and more. But that that's whole just idea, not how you... But that's just not how I came to God. I have been informed by this. My faith is much stronger because of it, but it's not how it started. And, you know, I... There are times when I just want to look at people and who just have this very, very small idea about how God saves people. Going back to that whole idea about dreaming big, mm. because I this was a, a, one of the coolest stories I've ever heard, and it was from a professor of mine. Uh, he was teaching a world missions class, the only world missions class I had to take in seminary, but the one that I was so grateful I was able to take, because this guy this guy had been a missionary for decades. Pocock? And yes. <laughs> mm, I love him. And uh, you know, you get stories like like he he's talking about this guy who was in in ministry and he was in Africa and he's like he's like, you know what? There's this tribe that everyone's been looking for, this nomadic tribe, and we've discovered that they're right around the hill. You know, like if I go up over this mountain and go down, you know, I'm 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 gonna find them. So he gets super excited, he gets on his motorcycle, and he drives up this mountain, drives back down, meets with these guys. Now, if you've ever talked to a missionary who deals with people groups who've never, ever heard of the Bible, ever, 
You start with Genesis and work your way up. So that's what this guy was doing. He's starting with the creation story. By the time he gets about halfway through Genesis, the chief of the tribe kind of raises a hand and said, Excuse me, when are you going to tell me about Jesus? Obviously, this missionary is a little freaked out by this and starts going, you know, is, is, was there another guy who came like me who, who was going to tell you, did he tell you about Jesus? And he goes, no. And the way this, the way this story was related to me was is that the guy, the, the chief pretty much looked at him and said, last night I had a dream. And a man who said that he, he, was, he was Jesus told me that I was going to expect a white man to come into my camp and tell me about him. You are clearly the white man, so I'm wondering when you're going to tell me about Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, you hear stories like that. And it comes from a guy who just, you know, I don't think even that guy, I think that dream was bigger than that guy's expectations of what God was going to do there. And I, I think a lot of times we kind of sell God short. We don't think that God can do the thing that God has called us to. And, you know, I think a lot of times our own personal walks with God, our own personal ministries suffer because we don't let God be God when it comes to these big ticket stuff. And one of the, one of the passages that, that sort of most struck me, uh, that most strikes me, I guess, it's a, a psalm, and it's David. And David is doing what David does in the Psalms. He is calling out to God. He was good at that. And at one point he calls out and he says, God, give me the desires of my heart. And for years and years and years and years, I read that and I thought, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 God, don't give me the desires of my heart. Desires of my heart are bad. Don't do that. But then maybe, actually, I think this is one of those things that just sort of hit me one of those days. You know how it is? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I went, oh, wait a minute. God, give me the desires of my heart. Because if you give me the desires of my heart, chances are they're your desires too. So give me a heart that has what it is that you're going to give me. And ever since then, I've realized, okay, wait a minute. If I just, if I get quiet and I trust God and say, God, what am I life? What is my life supposed to be about? I know what it is. And, you know, for me, I, the biggest step recently, it was leaving ministry. This does not seem like a logical step to ask of God. God, give me the desire of my heart. Leave ministry. Okay. Which is to leave the church, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does not seem like the way it's supposed to go, right? And at the time, I was like, what? No. I, well, what's going on here? This, is, this sucks. This is hard for me. I don't want to do this. But I knew I needed to. And I knew that that's where God was taking me, even though I wasn't entirely sure where we were going to end up. Still not, by the way. But I have more ideas as uh, the days and the weeks and the months and even the years go by. And I'm still asking God, give me the desire of my heart. Because I trust that when he does that, it will be his will, his desire that lives in my heart. And, you know, I think the question for our listeners today, you know, God, what is the desire that he has put into you? You know, we framed it in terms of superheroes and superpowers. What is your superpower? What is that unique set of whatever it is, skills, dreams, visions, talents, spiritual gifting, all of that? What is it that he's put together in you 
to make use that that one superhero in his kingdom. Uh, maybe you are the guy who's going to go out there and you're going to just you're going to walk into a random group of people and they're going to be like, "Hey, we've been waiting for you to tell us about Jesus." But maybe not. Maybe you're going to be the guy who just lives your life and and feels like maybe you know what you're not doing anything special, but people are watching you every day and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers start coming to you and saying, "Hey, look, your life is different than mine and I want to know how you get it." But Mike, you you have it absolutely right. And that is if we don't accept that, we don't accept that dream. We don't accept that vision that God has planted in our life. Maybe we even try to do things that are good. But we don't accept the vision that God's put into our life. We're never going to have the kind of results, the kind of influence, the kind of change for our friends and our families and our loved ones that we really, really want to have. Well, I, I, I want to tell this story. And it, I, I, I love this guy to death. This is my, my buddy Tim. Uh, Tim is a pastor. and. Tim, Tim and I both went to college together. We were both in the pastoral ministries program. And it was really funny because we were also two of the guys who, when, when people would get to know us and then they'd ask what, what our major was and we revealed that we were pastoral ma- majors. Um, yeah, there was that look of, really? <laughs> you guys are training to be pastors? I know and, that look well. Yeah. And... My buddy Tim actually is in paid ministry right now, as opposed to me, who's just doing it volunteer to be awesome. Um, and Tim has a lot of great things going on, but I mean his his church is struggling, and and he's you know he's not a he doesn't hide that fact. But there's there's the reason I bring him up is because every year he does this awesome event, and it gives him both tremendous pain and just tremendous just pride. Not in a bad way, but in the good way of, I'm going to do something that's really going to impact people for God. And it's this, it's, he does a tattoo party at his church. And a tattoo party we discovered, and this was something that Tim fo- found out himself, is that tattoo artists, in an attempt to get word of mouth, r- do these parties where if you can guarantee at least a certain number of people are going to get ink, they'll give you a discount. And, you know, you can just get anybody who comes in can get tattooed and a discount. So he walked up to this guy and he goes, I really think this is going to be an important thing for my church, that the people in my neighborhood can find out that Jesus is much more than the bunch of rules and regulations they grew up knowing about. And it's going to it's going to happen in the fact that we're going to be here hanging out, watching movies, listening to, you know, metal music and getting tattoos in the church. When he first did this, this is, he just got done doing it for the third year now. When he first did it, there were churches that wanted to picket him, that were setting up websites about how he was a, a false prophet, that were leading you know his entire congregation astray. And I mean, it hurt to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that you know you're going against the will of God. You're a horrible, vile human being who you know is leading his congregation to hell. That but Tim's like. Yeah, it sucks, but but Tim and 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 there was many a nights when he and I were talking and praying about it too, um, but every time he's done it, I actually went to one of them, and just hung out and was talking with people both in his church and in the you know from the community, and 
I got to tell you, it's an amazing thing. Every time he's done it, he's called me up or we've been talking about it. And he told me about just some somebody that walked into the church who was just totally against God, against church, just completely flat out wanted nothing to do with it. But they heard about this event and they thought, I've never seen a church who was for that. I never had a church who not only embraced, you know, not only knew about what they were doing, but embraced it. And and pretty much every time he's done it, there's been at least one couple who have started attending the church because of the tattoo party. People who have heard the gospel because of the tattoo party. It's a dream that looked nothing like your average understanding of church. But it's a dream that God has been using faithfully over the past three years. And I hope he'll continue to do it. And I will continue to show up any Sunday I can when he does this. Because, I, you know, for, for me, one thing that's always been in my head is just this idea that my ministry is, is one of encouragement and of one of just reaching people who are left out. And, you know, that's why I want to do this. It's why, I, it's why I hang out with teenagers and college kids. Because if you want to talk about groups of people who are either super jazzed about life or hate every moment of their existence because of whether they're accepted or not, that's your age group. And, you know, I'm still figuring out what, how that exactly looks like. I'm, like I said, I'm not in paid ministry. And I don't know if I ever will be at this point, but I'm, you know, one thing that God talked to me about, about this whole retreat thing was that I'm going to start sending out resumes again. If you're listening and you want to feel like praying for me, feel free. Or hiring you. Or hiring, you know, (laughs) I have plenty of resumes available, but you know, and by the way, if there is somebody out there right now who is in the position to hire somebody and you are listening to Game Store Profits, this is your man. (laughs) I'm just saying. Just putting that out there. Thanks, Luke. But, but you know, it's it's why we do the show, right? Yeah. It, and it's really what geek Christianity is all about. If there is anything that we do, it is share our faith with the misfits. Share our faith with those who live on the edge of the empire. And I love Cause that. Because that's because that's who we are. That's who we are. We're the freaks. We're the misfits. And that's okay. I you know, I tried to go straight. Didn't work didn't work i gotta go my way and the cool thing is is that god's right there with me even outside the north he's better outside the north pretty much all right mike good show good show yeah you know every time every time we wrap one up i go this is my favorite show (laughs) and 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 you know i i really think this one it's gonna be because you know i you know a lot of times we want to sell god short and i i hate i mean I don't want to, I don't ever want to put God, you know, in this little tiny little, I don't want to say box because that's trite. I'll, I'll, I'll put it more in the, the corporate world. I don't want to put God in a cubicle and sit him behind a computer and say, you have to do this little task. He's much bigger than that. And, you know, I think that if, if more of us decided to step out of the cubicle and figure that out, then we'll actually see God do some pretty amazing things. Yeah, I totally agree. So, Mike, how can folks find out more about you? Uh, the main hub of my communication is through a little website called TinkerStory.com. Uh, you can also find me at uh, Twitter 
either by Shadow of Cyrano or by Von Clockwork, if you're more interested in my fictional character. Um, if you email GameStoreProfits at gmail.com, I'm the guy who answers it. Uh, and we just put up, not only do we have the fan page on Facebook, but literally tonight, due to the fact that they've just finally caught up with the times of social media, Google Plus <laughs> is now... Google Plus is now allowing for pages, and before we did the podcast, I pieced together a very quick but, you know, very effective little game store profits on Google Plus. If you're like me and prefer Google Plus to Facebook, you can find me there. Luke, what about you? You know, I am actually just about getting ready to do a major internet remodel. Ooh! And figure out where it's appropriate to find me and all of those kind of things. Uh, so for now, go to twitter.com slash Luke Navarro, L-U-K-E-N-A-V-A-R-R-O, and you'll be able to figure out everything from there. Awesome. So Luke, we spent a lot of time just talking about dreams and about how God can use those dreams in ways that we can't even fathom. And, you know, we just want to end on that note. We want you guys to hit us up on Facebook. Uh, hit us up on Google+, Plus, email us, do whatever. Let's hear about your dreams, about what God has called you to do. We want yeah. to hear from you guys. Uh, that being said, we want to thank you guys for coming out for another episode. And like we always say at, at the end of every episode, God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>